0: Um, so, I need a couple of volunteers, actually, first to, to get going. Hopefully, this will help us ease us into things as we look at the incarnation today. So, I can see, uh, please don't all put your hands up at once. Uh, so, um, this this involves, cho- involves chocolate, so it's not quite, uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's quite as hard. So, um, okay, I'm just going to randomly pick some people now. Um, who are we going to go for? I'll tell you what, Alex, I'll pick it because Alex, one of our new members, so I'm going to really put him on the spot. Alex, you come out. Yeah. join? Yeah, give him a round of applause. Yeah. He's thinking I didn't join for this. <laughs> and uh, actually, Tim, come out as well, Tim. As well, so it's quite new. Yeah. Here we are. Don't clap him, they haven't done anything yet. <laughs> Just to get. So, d- do, you, do you like Maltesers? Yes. Yeah. Who likes them more? I really like them, yeah. You really like them? <laughs> You can stand over that one, we'll go that, that way. So if you just stand, there's a little mark there, if you are going to stand behind that mark here. So, and Alex, what you're going to do is you're going to feed Tim the Maltesers. Right. Okay, stand on that mark there. You're not allowed to use your hands at all, but um, I'll, I'll give you a little hand. But you're going to use this. Here we are, my very long handled spoon. So if you just hold that carefully, I'm going to just put, put a Maltese on that. If you could feed Tim a Malteser. This isn't just light entertainment. Very good, very good. We'll do that one. Do you want to see that again? Shall we just do this for the rest of the? Okay, go go back in again. We want to see it go, just because that's sort of part of the point. There we go. Well done. So now. Obviously, see this is now. This is a leading question. Please get this right. Is there, is there any way we could make this a bit easier, maybe, to help feed him? What What do you think might help more? Here's a here's a hint. Just if I give you that one, tell me, would this be a bit easier? You can go a bit closer now. You can go a bit closer and feed him another Maltese. Yeah. Well done. Uh, does that look a bit easier? Yeah. A very uh, you can, can you can have the rest of the Maltesers. You had your lot. So, guys, thank you very much. Take a seat. So so very silly sometimes things are easier the closer you get aren't they yeah. sometimes you can't do things from afar from a distance and he did manage to eat the maltese in that case a bit of a showing it fall on the floor would have strengthened the illustration but there you go and uh, today we're looking at the subject of the incarnation which in which is when even god even god had to come close to be able to accomplish all that he wanted to do. And that's kind of what the Incarnation, in many ways, is all about. We're going to get there in a second. We're just going to work through, uh, you know, what the Incarnation is and, um, you know, a quick recap on last week. So last week, we looked at the Trinity, uh, and this week, the Incarnation. So the Trinity, just a quick recap, is the Christian belief that these three statements represent God and to be, not believe one of these statements uh, about God is kind of like sub-Christian is almost, if you like, heretical. So God in the Bible has revealed himself as three persons. God is three persons. Each person is fully God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit and there is one God. And of course your mind can't quite contain that because he's God, that's fine. Um, But we looked at how God revealed his Trinity, the three persons, one God, each of them's God, shows how God is loving and relational, is in relationship, has been for all eternity, and will be for all eternity. And we now get to be a part of that relationship, which is fantastic. If we're a Christian, we are genuinely loved by God, and we genuinely can know God. Christianity isn't just about knowing stuff about God, we actually get to know Him. How's that possible? Well, you might say because God is Trinity, we can be drawn into relationship with him. Because the full picture of the Bible um, does show that there is a huge problem. And that our sin, everything we've done wrong and said wrong and thought wrong, and things that we should have done that we haven't done before, a perfect God whose Trinity has created a barrier or a gap. We're separated from God because of our sin. And so we can't enter into relationship with him. It's the sombre truth of the Bible. It says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all cut off and separated from God. And he can't just click his fingers or ignore it because he's holy and just. And so there's a huge problem that this Trinitarian, loving, relational God who made us so that we could know him and worship him and enjoy him suddenly has a problem, as in it's our problem, we've sinned and he has to do something about it. Now, we know as Christians that's in Jesus who came and died on the cross for us and rose again three days later and took uh, the punishment. And that is, in a sense, what the incarnation is about, what we mean by that. We'll get there again. Just sl- keep, We're still moving forward a little bit more slowly. So this is a statement about the person of Christ. If you like, it's very simple, but a theological statement by a guy called Wayne Grudem in his Systematic Theology. Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man in one person and will be so forever. Now, that's a statement that in some ways is a bit like the Trinity, as in it doesn't quite add up. We can't get a heads round this amazing statement that the person Jesus Christ was both fully God and fully man in one person and will be so forever. Now, a big statement, but is that what the Bible teaches? Now as last week, we're not going to spend ages trying to proof text all this deep uh, truth about Jesus being both God and man and the incarnation and everything, but we are going to look at one, a couple of verses very quickly, just to, and then we're going to launch on that, about what that means for our lives as we follow Jesus, and how he got close to us, and how he wants us to get close to others. So this is from John's Gospel. Uh, one of the gospel accounts, there's four in the Bible that tell us about Jesus. And John's one uh, opens up going so far back in time, as we're almost like before creation, with an account that talks about Jesus but reads like the opening uh, verses of the Bible in Genesis. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So this is talking about Jesus. This is John's Uh, opening an account about Jesus, and he's labelling Jesus as the word, and it's, I'm sure if you've ever read Genesis, when it says, in the beginning God created, you instinctively hear that there's a sort of overtones of that in this passage, and John is telling us that Jesus is God, and it's quite clear in the passage, in the beginning was the word, he was there at creation, he was part of, uh, as God spoke creation into being, there's some mysterious way that that's the word Jesus one of the persons of the Trinity active in creation. Jesus was there with God. And actually the word was God. There's this mysterious Trinity. He's, he's with God and he is God and you can't get your head around it. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus is God. But then as John goes on this passage, he comes into, and this is the statement about the incarnation. If you like, by verse 14, John says, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us so this jesus the word who was with god in the beginning and was part creation and actually is god this word became flesh he takes on flesh and made his dwelling among us he became a man and lived on this earth and walked and talked and ate and did things that you and i do this is an amazing statement in the Bible and this is what's meant by the incarnation which literally means almost putting on flesh where God has put on flesh. He's come to do that to rescue us because of the separation of our sin from a God that loves us and wants relationship with us. So we see you know, from this passage that Jesus is both God and that he is human as well. Now, quick in the Gospel accounts, and you can see elsewhere in the Bible as well, but you see that Jesus is both fully God through statements like this. In John's Gospel, uh, he makes the sort of I am statements, which we've been going through in our local Sundays, where yeah. he's alluding to be equal, uh, uh, equal to God, from an <laughs> Old Testament revealing of God to Moses. Jesus accepts worship, the whole sense of the miracles breaking out from him, re- revealing something of his Godness, And even the fact that he was crucified because he claimed to be God. These enemies understood that. So he's really God. And obviously elsewhere in the New Testament really underlines that. But he's also fully human. He was born and lived uh, a life that most people didn't recognise him as God. Obviously, they saw him just as a man. That's why when he claimed to be God, he got crucified for it because he didn't like it. So he walked this earth. He was so normal, so ordinary, so human that most people didn't see him as God. They just saw him as a man. He got tired. He got hungry. He slept. You see a range of emotional expressions in Jesus just like we would in the Bible. He really became flesh and dwelt among us. You now, um, this is a point where I'm going to talk about a neutron star like i understand what i'm talking about okay this is going to be good so there's something called a neutron star which is where uh, a very large star explodes it collapses in on itself due to gravity and all the neutron uh, all the protons electrons become neutrons hence the name neutron star it's good this isn't it anyway it's so densely packed that apparently if you could get a thimbleful of it and bring it to earth under our gravity one thimbleful would weigh a million tons. That, I mean, that's pretty heavy, right? That's pretty squash. And one th- I mean, that's just mind-boggling in terms of science to me. One thimbleful, a million tons, because there's so much packed in to that thimbleful. It's so, I mean, it's just how do you even just I can't get my head around that. You can say that statement, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The neutron star has nothing on it. How has God The eternal one, the creator of all things, that always has been and always will be, compacted himself into flesh. That's a mind-boggling statement. That's something that is truly extraordinary. Uh, One of, uh, you know, arguably almost the the greatest amazing miracle ever described in the Bible is greater than God speaking and making creation in the first place, you know, as John's alluding to in this passage. When Jesus as God, the Son, the second person of the Trinity, takes on human flesh, it says in Colossians, God um, was pleased to have all the fullness of the De- 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 deity dwell in bodily form. All the fullness in bodily form. It's just an amazing, incredible statement. And he's done it because our, this amazing God, our wonderful God, had to come close to us. He had to take on flesh so that he could rescue us, so that he could die in our place. Salvation, the Bible teaches, is clearly from God. I'm sorry, I, I mean, there's one thing I did want to say. It's say just the virgin birth. I did want to mention that as well. Um, we do affirm the virgin birth. Sometimes I do think, even in our sort of circles, it can be seen as a uh, slightly I- embarrassing kind of statement of truth about Jesus. <laughs> the virgin birth demonstrates, actually, that he was that Jesus was both God and man. There's something of that mystery in that. We do affirm that. The angel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit power will overshadow you and you will conceive. Jesus had no human father, yet was born from a human mother. And again, you have, you know, our mind can't handle that. It's a miracle. But that is speaking of Jesus being both God and man, fully even then. So we affirm the virgin birth. So Jesus had to be God because salvation comes from God; it's only God that was going to be able to rescue us. But He had also had to be—excuse me—he also had to be fully man because it's us that had sinned; it's us that had you know gone wrong and had cut ourselves off from God. And he is the perfect representation of us without sin. He's become a mediator. His drawing close to us by taking on flesh has drawn us close to God, hasn't he? By giving his life for us, by living the obedient, uh, perfectly obedient to the Father, dying on the cross, sinless, rising, raising again three days later. And he has drawn us to God. What you and I could not do and ever do, just as human beings, sinful, In our flesh, he has accomplished as God, but as a man as well. And that's why it had to to happen. It's the most amazing thing that God has rescued us in this way. But the whole way Jesus lived his life, uh, it's not like it's just a theological statement, I believe, that God has come close by taking on human flesh, left heaven and come to earth to rescue us. Every act of Jesus' life, you see, it's not like he was standoffish from people. He's coming close to people to reach out and be a demonstration of God's love and reach out to people all the time. You know, he's the one that was God and is all-powerful, but even from when he was born in the, the state, well, it wasn't the stable side, but whole bir- you know, a lowly birth, he wasn't born as this king distant from people, even though he is the king of kings, he was humble. And he came in small beginnings. And as he lived his uh, life as a, a human, he wasn't standoffish from people, even though he's powerful, even though he you know, left the glory of heaven. He wasn't sort of promoting that in sort of crushing terms, but he was humble and he served people the religious leaders of the day that Jesus interacted with, their view of sort of religion and helping get to know God and get close to God was very different, wasn't it? They didn't like the fact that Jesus hung around with people a bit too much, with those that they labelled sinners, and the tax collectors they didn't like, and the prostitutes they didn't like. Even though Jesus is the truly holy one, the Pharisees keeping their distance because they wanted to sort of be holy and not contaminate themselves, but the truly holy one of Israel, who was is fully God, was quite willing to get close to people in their mess and in where they're at with life. And people loved it, didn't they? People flocked to him, crowds flocked to him. He really was people were able to get close to Jesus. Little kids came to him. He he went to parties. He went to weddings. He went to funerals, which, which didn't stay funerals very long when Jesus was concerned, did they? Normally, then something, it ruined the funeral. So he raises someone from the dead. He, you know, he ate with people. He fed people. He's uh, you know, you know, he just interacting with folk. And people loved it. Theologically, he's come close, left heaven and come to earth to rescue us then almost practically, as he lived that life, he demonstrates that that's on the heart of God. To be a servant. He washed people's feet. Peter struggled with that a bit. Saying, why are you washing my feet? It was almost like that sense of that servanthood, that closeness was a bit too much for him. Jesus said, no, it has to be like this way. And obviously he said that. He said, that's an example to us. So then go be close and to serve others. Uh, and then that metaphor of washing people's feet. He drew close to people all the time. And those of us who are called and want to be followers of Christ, there's something, this is what ministry of God looks like, isn't it? Jesus was on a mission from God. It sounds like a line from the Blues Brothers, I know, but he was on a mission from God to rescue us, to demonstrate God's love, to serve us, to reach out to us. He did what no one else could do because he was fully God and man, died on the cross, paying the price for our sin, but he also demonstrated what living for God on the mission can look like in terms of the way he lived his life, connected with people and loved people. I think it's um, it just Pete earlier who was saying, when we, you know, we need to go to God, we can go to him. It's like the Lord of Heaven's armies to win our battles for us. And it was stirring, wasn't it? I'm sure your faith was rising. You were praying through things. like I was saying, God, we want to see you break, and you're powerful and you're magnificent. But God's ultimate breaking in, Lord of Heaven's army, is in the form of Jesus who squishes himself into um, you know, flesh, looks so ordinary most people don't recognise him as, as being God and goes and serves people and washes their feet. That's what Lord of Heaven's army is breaking in to people's lives looks like. Humble, servant-hearted, loving, drawing close to people. Yes, at times Jesus clearly proclaimed the kingdom of God is near. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. That's part of the message, absolutely. But he drew close to people and he loved people and he connected with people. And now this mission, as we've been hearing already, is reaching out to people to show them the love of God is left with us His church. That's what we believe, isn't it? The Bible calls us the body of Christ. We're a body of people filled with the Spirit looking to represent what Jesus did on earth now to others around us. And so very simply, but I think quite challengingly, in all sorts of different situations, profoundly, we can't do that by simply shouting across the room at people, you need Jesus, you need Saviour, stop sitting over there. I think the world around us has quite sometimes thinks that's what the church is often like maybe we are like that too much sometimes there is a message don't get wrong there is a message we want to be clear but we've got to embody that message haven't we we've got to live that out we're now if you like the, the incarnation of God on earth now we want to get close to people serving them and loving them and reaching out to them following in Jesus footsteps if you like looking to be a bit more like him That's what we want to be, isn't it? Like to be a bit more like Jesus. Uh, Sounds great. It's a Sunday morning, and we're all going to nod our heads and say that. (laughs) And it's really challenging sometimes, isn't it? When he was so giving to people and so able to connect uh, with people and and be so loving. But that's what we want to be. Loving and connecting with people. As a church, uh, most of you in this room will know we've got uh, a a goal, a heart in terms of all our vision to reach out into the whole area of, sort of London, South London, beyond. We're looking to go to three different Sunday sites by January. A few weeks ago, we, we did one of our local Sundays, we in the three sites. And you know, there's lots of work associated with that and the sort of upheaval and the ups and downs of that. But behind it all, or hopefully at the front of it all as well, is this heart that we want to get close to people. We want get close to communities. We want to be embodied in communities demonstrating God's love with the message that he's given, to repent for the kingdom of God is near, but with real power and meaning and longevity and, and servant-heartedness. And of course, that's been going on uh, you know, in City Hope and part of this church for a number of generations, really, but we want to continue that work. We're not just saying, calling people, come to this meeting. You know, we, That's great, we want people to come here, but it's a whole sense, how are we serving and loving and reaching out and there's nothing magic in three services or anything like that, but obviously there's believing that that will help those who are the, we're part of the communities around those services, helping us reach the community around us uh, more effectively. I was reading, this isn't directly related, uh, uh, but it just got me thinking along these lines. So if you excuse the sort of, sort of little jump, I was reading a little report on a sort of a, uh, I suppose a sociological... Uh, review of Southwark and all its needs. A sort of, ac- I mean, it wasn't written academically, but by a researcher, a uh, Dr. Catherine, some or other academic thing. But all the needs in Southwark, you know, the good things, the bad things, uh, you know, the poverty, the lack of housing, uh, the numbers of people using food banks, the uh, teenage pregnancy, the knife crime stuff, and just something of the needs of the area. And the gentrification and the way it's changing, and what can happen, what can do. And uh, I'll have to read the statement. She came at one statement which I really interesting. So it's because they've done lots of interviewing of various organisations and areas, saying so research has shown that those most likely to feel a high sense of life satisfaction are those who feel they belong to their neighbourhoods. Those who are, uh, research has shown that those most likely to feel a high sense of life satisfaction are those who feel they belong to their neighbourhood. Now we're about more than just life satisfaction as such, aren't we? We want to see people saved and rescued by Jesus. But, just that, but we want good communities and neighbourhoods, don't we? We want, in that sense, life satisfaction. I'd like that, I'm sure you'd like that. And just even in the reser- that research there, that sense of belonging in neighbourhoods, in areas just strengthens that and, and we have ready-made, you might say strong communities in areas which we want to release the life, well, that's you by the way in case you're one, you're thinking where's that then, that's you, uh, to see the life that God's put in us reached out closely to those around and just help be a part of that and ultimately of course to win people to Jesus. So that involves every one of us. I don't know where you're at in terms of, you're here now, part of the church on the Sunday, but we're about so much more than that in terms of what we believe God's put on our heart, in terms of reaching out across our communities 24-7, if you like, if you like to put it that way. And we want everybody to be a part of that. And so, so who's God calling you to be close to, to reach out to. Who are the people God's put on your heart that you would love to see saved, family members, neighbours, work colleagues, that you would love to see born again and come to faith in Jesus? But if you like, there's work to be done, maybe God is speaking about just getting close for the message that you have, the life-changing message of Jesus, to reach out to them more effectively. Now, I must say, we, we aren't looking to get close to people and serve people and love people just so we can get them saved. That, that's not helpful, is it? That's not really love. Okay, but we do genuinely want people to know Jesus because we love them, and we want to be as effective and winsome in that as we possibly can, can't we? I remember, this is a, a story from a good number of years ago. The church she used to go out on a soup run, in sort of into central London, a couple of nights you used to go out. And it, it was a time, I'm sure it's still the case, but it was a time when there were quite a lot of groups would go out, and Claire remember this, uh, on sort of doing, uh, helping homeless people, and often go out with a lot more equipment, and a lot more pizzazzy stuff that we had. We had some sort of homemade sandwiches and some hot coffee, and, and that, was, that was it. And uh, genuinely, there was quite a lot on offer uh, from other different groups, which was a great thing. We often used to go to the same places, to meet to the same people, week after week, time after time. And, of course, over time, you, you essentially draw close. It wasn't just a distant hand-me-down, have a sandwich and coffee and walk off. We made genuine friendships and relationships. And Caroline and I, through our involvement in it, we then had people, meals with us at home, staying with us on occasions. A, a, little, a few occasions I got um, other... Uh, workers as it were thought I was homeless because I'm sitting with homeless people and just chatting to them and just a part of it and the little highlight for me the little pinnacle was when another homeless person thought I was a homeless person (laughs) because and to me I thought that's quite it's like we've managed to integrate well if we managed to get close and so the sense of being able to speak out that platform was really strong it's going on now through the food bank that we do, and a more up-to-date story. People aren't given food and kicked out the door again, So you've got your food go. It's relationships are built up. Closeness is formed. People come back the next week because there's an environment there which is loving and caring and is, is something to do in that sense. It's fun. My neighbours around me, I wish I was doing so much better. I want to reach my neighbours. And I know a number of names and we interact, but I, need, I feel like I need to know them better. So most of my immediate neighbours, Karen and I now know the names of you say hello and stuff, and it's taken years sometimes. Sometimes it's slow, isn't it? But we're getting close and I believe that from that closeness we'll become a much more genuine expression of what we believe about a faith and reaching out to people. So who's God calling you to? Who is it that's around you, that is on your heart, to To reach out to them for Jesus, but you know God's speaking to you. There's, there's a sense of loving them, drawing close, reaching out to them, following in the footsteps of Jesus who drew close to us. We're almost done. I just want to give uh, you know, following on from that, just th- three areas for sort of our, to respond in in our uh, you know quite straightforwardly. First of all, a whole sense of worship. I'm sure most of us in this room. If we're Christians, essentially knew the doctrine of the incarnation already. We know Jesus is God and has come to earth as man and has rescued us. I hope today, just by looking at it again, thinking it through very briefly again, it's just caused you to wonder at our wonderful saviour a bit more. He left heaven, he came to earth. We sing songs like that, We it trips off our tongue quite easily. It's phenomenal. It's just phenomenal how close he was willing to get to us in that sense, to identify with us in all our hurt and all our pain. He did it because he loved us. He squashed himself into flesh. It is cause for wonder and worship. Jesus, this man, you know, people write about him, discuss him, talk about him, can't get rid of him. He's God. He's God. He's the word that spoke. It just... And just can we just take that step a moment, and find some time during the week, wonder at it again. He knows you personally if you're Christian, and yet He's fully God. is just incredible, isn't it? And let's stir up some worship in our heart again, some gratitude of what He's done for us. Secondly, so much more practically, we want to be a church that's connecting with the communities around us, reaching out. We've got a plan in terms of the three sites we're looking to go to and be working the area maybe you're part of the church but you've not connected into those communities either of those three areas if you really want to be a part of city hope and draw close with us to draw close to others you need to that's what we're about that's how life in city hope is working with what god's put on our hearts so please please you know you can't always attend everything i understand this but f- but connect in with the the, sort of the local sites in Bermondsey, in Rotherhithe, and the one based around Newcross and Peckham, that area, they're the three areas, connecting with the midweek groups, what we term connect communities, some of the outreach activities, that we do there's some Easter events coming up, connecting with them and get behind them. That's what being part of City up is, because on a heart is to draw close to people and show them the love of God. And then finally, what I, I already said it um, before, is God speaking to you? really clearly about someone you need to draw close to in some way, you need to serve them, you need to demonstrate love in some way. Yes, on your heart, it's because you want to speak to them about Jesus and you want a good, uh, strong relationship and platform for doing that, but it's not an ulterior motive. You just know God's calling you to love them and care for them and be a blessing to them. You know, Jesus would just love indiscriminately, wouldn't he? Some people responded well to him, some people didn't. Jesus went on loving regardless, So we want to be that like that, don't we? So three things, worship, getting involved in our community, vision here, and who's God speaking to you about? Alan earlier just sharing, you know, just thinking, if we would just connect with you know, one more person each, two more people each, the difference God can use that for. Uh, but it's a genuinely loving thing, isn't it? Jesus has incarnated himself for us. He's come, he's drawn close to us, and he's given us a model, I believe in that sense, for us to follow in those footsteps. I I, I just, I want to say again, I do think, um, not this church particularly, but the attitude of the world around us generally to church is quite often that we're standoffish and, and we shout the moral values at people. Not everyone thinks like that, but can you resonate with that? you understand that, that that's the way the media can portray us a bit and maybe you know people around us feel that that's what sort of church expression christianity looks like it shouldn't look like that we do have a message which is controversial for people but we want to embody it and live it so that uh, somewhere in the bible it talks about so though they may disagree with what we stand with they see our good works and praise our father in heaven regardless amen amen, amen. let me pray for us Father, we want to thank you again that you have sent Jesus uh, on that rescue plan to, uh, to save us, uh, to take on human flesh, to be that mediator between God and man, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We know no one else could have done it. It's only you, Lord Jesus, to be fully God and fully man. And we do thank you uh, that you have rescued us, Jesus. It's, it's such a, a simple thing to say thank you for again, yet it's a huge thing. Lord, we know. Lord, we could not know God we could not have had our sin everything that stood against us before God if it had not been for you drawing close to us Lord we were enemies before you in a heart we were dead in our sin There was no inclination on our part to be drawn towards you but you have reached out to us and we are so grateful Lord Jesus and we pray now fill us with your spirit Lord those of us that know you want to follow in your footsteps Lord to help reach out to others in that same love and that same power, uh, just with that true message of what you've done for us, Lord. We say, God, fill this church, Lord Jesus, with your spirit, Lord, to be salt and light and witnesses to those around us, to be servant-hearted, to be loving. Lord, it's, a, it's kind of a huge thing, Lord Jesus. Maybe some of us always fill at like bursting point with life. How can we give any more to anyone else? Jesus, will you fill us with your spirit. We believe this is your work, not ours. We believe you empower us, you equip us, you help us. We submit ourselves to you, Lord Jesus. Amen.